Blog Talk Radio. After the death of Solomon, God divided the kingdom of Israel into two houses. There were ten tribes in the northern kingdom known as the Lost Tribes of Israel. They were cast out into the world because of their great sin against God. However, God promised in the last days He would gather these lost tribes back to Israel before the return of our Lord. Unknowingly, some of the churches made up of these lost tribes known as the house of Ephraim. God is now calling them to prepare to come back home to the land He gave our fathers. The call to prepare has been sounded. and Shalom. This is your host, Mark Rambold, back again. And uh, this is the House of Ephraim show. Do have with us from Mount Carmel, Illinois, Prophet Tom Deckard. But first, a word from our announcers. And now, from Cradle of Hope, are some important announcements for you. This month, from Cradle of Hope, is a must-have gift offer, the transition of the church. God has transitioned the church since the days of the book of Acts. Don't miss out on this last and greatest move of God. Jesus Christ is returning for a church full of power and glory. This transition will bring the church forward. Send a gift of $25 or more. Call today and get free shipping if you ask for the Transition of Church gift offer. Call 618-262-2810 or go online at jewishprofit.com. Send a gift of $25 or more and ask for the Transition of the Church gift offer. Hey, welcome back in the show. It's Mark Reinbolt. Got a couple announcements to make before we get going here with our great, great show we have in store for you. I just want to remind everyone that we do have a website, www.jewishprofit.com. That's www.jewishprofit.com. And for all you uh, new people out there, maybe the first time, that you've been on, please check that website out. You're going to find out who we are, and you're going to get a hold of a lot of material that you've never seen before. And you want to check that material out because you're going to start to learn the Word of God. And I'm telling you what, what a great opportunity that is. We also have a quarterly coming up here, and you can get more information about that by clicking on the itinerary button on the front page there in the upper left-hand corner and find out what the quarterly and where it's going to be. It's going to be over in Fairfield, Illinois out what we call lovingly the corn patch, and you can be a part of that and begin to learn the material straight from the throne room of God. And I'm telling you what, that is a great opportunity, folks. So grab a hold of this and begin to prepare and to plan and get yourself down here and find out for yourself what's going on, and you can become part of this last day move of God, the House of Ephraim. And again, you can get all that information out at the website, www.jewishprophet.com. We also have fellowships available online. So, you know, if you're out there and you don't have a local fellowship or or you want to begin to learn about the material and begin to plug in with the material, not only do we have this blog every day, but we also have fellowships available online. That's via Ustream.tv, and we have one on Friday night. I teach one myself Friday night. You can become part of that. There's also a Wednesday midweek service. And we teach only the prophet's material so that you're assured of learning the right material at the right time. What an opportunity, again, that all is. So, again, if you don't already have a fellowship in your area or you just are interested in learning more about what's going on, please consider joining up with that. 
and you can get more information just by emailing us at cradle at jewishprofit.com. That's cradle at jewishprofit.com. And just say, hey, I'd like to sign up for that Shabbat service that Mark was talking about, and certainly love to get you hooked up. If you want to do it just by the telephone, we can do that also. And you can give the office a call, 618-262-2810, and find out more about that also. Like I said earlier, we do have with us from Mount Carmel, Illinois, Prophet Tom Deggert. Everything is okay with the Father as long as you and I keep it in our hearts correctly. And that's that's the important thing with all of what we're trying to do here. Now, in, in Luke, the second chapter, in the 41st verse, Luke 2:41, and we'll go to the end of the chapter there. Now, his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the Feast of the Passover. Now, we as Jews are to go back to Jerusalem three times a year. He said, well, I don't think I can make it. Well, I don't think I can either. Okay? But that is, that is the thought behind that. Now, really, where that came to is the people that are there in the land, that they were all to go up to Jerusalem during the Passover feast. And that's what was going on here, all right? So it says, And when he was twelve years old, they went up to Jerusalem after the custom of the feast. So it was a custom. And when they had fulfilled the days... As they returned, the child Jesus tarried behind in Jerusalem, and Joseph and his mother knew not of it. But they, supposing him to have been in the company, went a day's journey, and they sought him among their kinfolks and acquaintances. And when they found him not, they turned back again to Jerusalem, seeking him. And it came to pass, after three days, they found him in the temple. And that wasn't a mistake. It was three days, by the way sitting in the midst of the doctors, both hearing them and asking them questions. And all that heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. Now, now let's stop there for a minute. Now, don't you think that that in itself set a precedent among, uh, among those, the doctors of, of theology there? Don't you think that they did not soon forget this lad called Jesus? Sure, they didn't soon forget him. In fact, the only thing they liked to forgot him, the fact that it was, it got worse instead of better for him. Okay? So it goes on, and when they saw him, they were amazed. And, and his mother said to him, Son, why hast thou thus dealt with us? Behold, thy father and I have sought thee, thee sorrowing. And he said unto them, How is it that, ye, that you sought me? Wish ye not that I must be about my father's business? Now, I'm going to tell you something. To some people, that sounds very hard. But I'm going to tell you what she was the first to know who she had in her womb. She knew that. Now, he had become... Now, when we when we begin to see that... It, it back up into the 40th verse, it says, And the child grew and waxed strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. I'm going to tell you something. It doesn't take too long to find out and when you're around somebody that wisdom and the grace of God is upon them, does it? It doesn't take very long for you to be able to, to, to recognize that. And they could recognize that within him. And they understood not the saying which he spake unto them, the 50th verse. Now, again, I don't know why. And they went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject unto them. But his mother kept all these things in her heart 
And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. So when he was growing up, and the precedent that he set there in being in favor of man was that he set amongst the most intelligent of the doctors within theology that was in the land of Israel. And he sat there in the synagogue with them, he spoke of the Word of God, and he asked them intelligent questions. Now, it doesn't go into what he asked them, but they were awed at what he said. Now, remember, this is during Passover. This is during that time of Passover, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, which I hope Sunday night we got that straightened out for you, that you understand those are both one and the same festival. Those are not separated. Now, in Luke, the first chapter, Luke, the first chapter, in the fifth verse, there was in the days of Herod, the king of, of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias, of the chorus of Abia, and his wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord blameless. Does anybody here have any idea of who these people were and what they were doing? Now, that's quite a statement. In fact, that's such a statement that they did not have, now listen to me, they did not have the help of the Rahasho Kodesh, the Holy Ghost. They didn't have the name and the authority of Jesus to use. What they had was the, 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 the scrolls, but they kept it. Now listen again. It said, and, and it, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of, of the Lord blameless. They kept it all, didn't they? Was it a burden to them? No, or they wouldn't have done it. Now listen to me. This All this thing is pre-planned by God. The reason Elizabeth had been childish, childless was because of this moment. But in order for God to have moved in their lives, him as a high priest, her as being that of a, a wife of a high priest, he, they had to fulfill and to keep to the letter the law. Because God couldn't do anything outside of the law. And, and, and I'm going to tell you something, still today he can't. He still can't do anything outside of his word, which again is the law. It goes on to say, and they had no child because Elizabeth was barren, and they both were now well stricken in years. Sounds, sounds like a familiar story, doesn't it? And it came to pass that while he executed the priest's office before God in the order of his course, according to the custom of the priest's office, his lot was to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. And the whole multitude of the people were praying without at the time of incense. And there appeared unto him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said unto him, Fear not, Zacharias, for thy, for thy prayer is heard, and thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son, and thou shalt call his name John. And thou shalt have joy and gladness, and many shall rejoice at his birth. For he shall be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink, strong drink, and he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost even from his mother's womb. This thing did not happen by chance with John, what we call him John the Baptist. This thing came about because God had ordained it to be so because it took the Baptist to be the forerunner of Messiah, Yeshua. And so it all had to, it all had to work in, in the right setting. But you notice that God kept it in the family, didn't he? He kept it in the family. 
because Elizabeth and Miriam, which we call Mary, happened to be related, didn't they? Just happened to be. Well, it's strange how God does something. For it goes on to say, And many of the children of Israel shall be turned to the Lord their God. Now, shortly after, shortly after he was born, then the leadership of Rome began to get rid of the priesthood of the Kohen, C-O-H-E-N, which is the priest, or the Kohanim, which is the priesthood. And they began to replace those men with other men that were not of the pureness of the tribe of Levi. But they went about the business and did what needed to be done and still let Rome do what Rome wanted to do. And so, in other words, they got rid of all the, all the Bible thumpers, and they got rid of them, which Zacharias was one of them that they got rid of in the end. Now, this is all history I'm telling, telling you now about. When John the Baptist came back, and when he crossed across the dirty Jordan, then he became the only pure Kohen that was in, in Jerusalem. And as I told you before, that is the reason why all of Israel flocked to be baptized by John. And baptism was not something that we thought you know, was a New Testament thing, or at least I did. It was not so. It was something that was set, set by God, and they did a lot of water baptism within the ranks of Judaism. So, again, we didn't know that. It goes on to say, 17, And he shall... Go before him in the spirit and power of Elias, which is Elijah, to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. That, that particular verse, 17, is a prophetic verse that brings not only John the Baptist into the limelight, but it also reveals in what spirit in which he's come. He has come in the spirit of Elijah. Now, now, you want to hold on and get on to this because when we do the Seder, when we do our Passover Seder, at the end of one of the tables will be a setting and a chair. And within that, that will be Elijah's chair. Now, it has been known throughout Israel that the day will come when Elijah will return to this earth. Now, of course, you read this and some people get to believe in that he came there then, and yes, he did. He came in the spirit, in the body of John, what we call John the Baptist, but the spirit of Elijah came. But he did not fulfill all things because all things were fulfilled. The fact of it is that that spirit of Elijah is making his or its visitation to this earth as God brings the earth full turn and brings us into the place of receiving Elijah, of which we are doing and getting ready to do even in this generation. Uh, this generation will one day uh, be able to set Elijah at the end of the table. Because during the Seder, at that one point, when I think it's, a, I think it's the third cup of, of uh, grape juice, did you hear that? That we will be partaking in, that the door will be open and we will invite Elijah to come in. And that's a custom that they have done for centuries and centuries and centuries. 
But he was going to return, and it says they're going to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Now, those three items there, do we need those today here in the United States of America? Absolutely we do, don't we? Do you see how distraught the family is of those boys that shot those girls? You see how they cannot believe that grandfather, he could believe his grandson had come in and broke into his home and taken those guns and all that stuff that happened. Could not believe what he did. Well, like I said, it's, it's one of those things that, bless God, maybe America's going to wake up and find, and somebody's going to say, we're really sick and we really need some help, don't we? And you know who that help still is? The same one he's always been. His name's Jesus. Amen. Same one. Hasn't changed a bit. Same God that was here is the same God that we're here today. And Zechariah said to the angel, Whereby shall I know this? For I am an old man, and, and my wife well stricken in years. What's, what's impossible with man's possible with God. And the angel answering said unto him, I am Gabriel, that stand in the presence of God, and am sent to speak unto thee, and to show thee these glad tidings. And behold, thou shalt be dumb, and not able to, able to speak until the day that these things shall be performed because thou believest not my words, which shall be fulfilled in their season. And the people waited for Zacharias and marveled that he tarried so long in the temple. And when he came out, he could not speak unto them, and they perceived that he had seen a vision in the temple, for he beckoned unto them and remained speechless. And it came to pass that as soon as the days of ministration were, were accomplished, he departed to his own house. And after those days, his wife Elizabeth conceived and hid herself five months, saying, "One of them to do that part." So it all came down that God was setting all this thing up, and He was bringing it about. And by the way, John the Baptist, and again, this is this is Hebrew history, was born on Passover. By coincidence, not hardly. Again, you're going to find out, and if we get to it tonight, I'm going to begin to read to you the major things that have taken place on this festival called Passover. Now, Matthew eleven seven, and here I want you to see uh, again in this in this verse, Matthew eleven seven, and as they departed Jesus began to say unto the multitudes concerning John, now this is John the Baptist. What went ye out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken with the wind? But they went ye but but what went ye out for to see? A man clothed in soft raiment? Behold that they wear soft clothing are in king's houses. But what went ye out for to see? A prophet? Yea, I say unto you, and more than a prophet. For this is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare thy way before thee. Verily I say unto you, among them that are born of women, there are uh, hath not risen a greater than John the Baptist. Well, that's why a statement in it. Notwithstanding, he that is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffered violence, and the violent taketh it before us. For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John. And if you will receive it, this is Elias, which was for to come. He that hear, have, hath ears to hear, let him hear. See, Jesus, even then, even then, Jesus was saying and speaking to them 
in a realm that was far, far beyond the realm of the carnal mind. And that's the same paralyzation which God is now bringing to the church today, that God is speaking to us. The question has been, and I guess will continue to be, well then, how come we have to keep Passover? Well, brothers and sisters, that's the only thing they ever kept. Again, as I said, they didn't keep Easter. Uh, they kept Passover. Even after Jesus came and Jesus left, they didn't keep Easter. They kept Passover. Now, what happened to Passover? Well, like most things, the devil hid it away and hid it away and hid it away. And uh, during the Roman Empire, Constantine came forth and issued a statement that you could be a, a Christian and keep Passover. And then the Christians had to do something different. And that's when we begin to to uh, begin to find out that if we celebrated our day of the death and resurrection of the Lord Jesus at Easter, now you know Easter and Passover are awfully close together as far as days. And and what we found out as Christians was that we could do that, and to hide it, we just do it during while the pagans were doing the Easter thing the God of fertility. And we, if we did it during that time, no one would know and we'd be celebrating the, you know, the death and resurrection of the Lord, our Messiah, and they're out there doing the thing to their God and we're having a big time. And, and that's the way they write it all that. Now, you can play in a game with your mind you want to play of saying right, wrong, or somewhere in between. But anyway, that's what they did. Now, in Matthew 26, 17, it says, now, the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the disciples came to Jesus. Now, when was that? The first day of what? Passover, the Pesach. Came to Jesus, saying to him, Where wilt thou that we prepare for thee to eat the Passover? Okay, were they going to keep Passover? Absolutely. And he said, Go into the city to such a man, and say to him, The Master saith, My time is at hand. I will keep the Passover at thy house with my disciples. He just went ahead with it. And the disciples did as Jesus had appointed them, and they made ready the Passover. And when the evening was come, he sat down with the twelve, and as they did eat, he said, Verily I say unto you that one of you shall betray me. And they were exceedingly sorrowful, and began every one of them to say unto him, Lord, is it I? They all, none of them knew. And he answered and said, He that dippeth his hand with me in the dish, the same shall betray me. The Son of Man goeth as it is written of him, but woe unto that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It had been good for that man if he had not been born. That's pretty tough, isn't it? Then Judas, which betrayed him, answered and said, Master, is that I? And he said unto him, Thou hast said. And as they were eating, Jesus took bread and blessed it and brake it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them and said, Drink ye all of it. For this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for, for many for the remission of sins. But I say unto you, I will not drink henceforth of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. When they had sung a hymn, they went out into the Mount of Olives. Now, another rendition, and we're not going to get into that, that talks about the same type of thing with Judas says that immediately after he had took the salt or had taken that, dipped that bread into that, into that dish and had eaten of it, then he got up and he went out. Now, to have left in the middle of that Passover Seder would have been 
as desecrating uh, as it could have ever been to any Jew to have done. But because of the fact that Judas's time was no doubt at, at its apex, and it was, then he went forth and he fulfilled that which was. But there again, uh, God had it all in hand. Somebody had, somebody had to be the one to betray him. Now, last year, about this time coming up, I did a thing on Passover. Now, it would be good, and I don't really want to go back through that tonight, uh, if you'll take that tape and go back through that and listen to that again. Because I think now that this thing probably will make a whole lot more sense uh, than it did then, uh, even to me, okay? So if you'll go back through that, you'll begin to realize some things now of how closely coordinated all of what Jesus did with the Passover, which that's what that was all about. It's how the Passover and what Jesus was doing, how he was the he was the absolute Paschal Lamb that once and for all was going to be uh, crucified, uh, was going to give his life unto uh, all for all the world, the sins of the world, and how that all came about, and how he went by the, the Tower of Mingau, and, and how it was that same tower which they looked out, and there was the flocks that were going to be that was going to be uh, absolutely put to death and slaughtered on behalf of the Passover and become the Passover lamb for the sins of so many, many people. So uh, you should pick that up and you should go back and listen to that. And if you didn't bother getting that, well, then maybe you should think about stomping the tape table and trying to find out if you can. And I'm sure that you could just for ordering that. Now let's go ahead. Now in John 13, John 13, now, before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was come, that he should depart out of the world into the Father, having loved his own which were in the world, he loved them unto the end. And supper being ended, the devil having now put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, uh, to betray him. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, that he was come from God and went to God, he, he riseth from supper and laid aside his garment and took a towel, and girded himself. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel wherein he was girded. Now, there is two hand washings that takes place in the Seder, all right? One in the beginning uh, before you eat the meal, and then there will be one afterwards. Now, this is one of those washings, all right? But instead of Jesus going around and letting them wash their hands, then he did something completely different than what they were used to having Passover be. Now, if there wasn't, as of yet, someone had suspicion that, that this was not so much out of order, but it was different, all right? Then cometh he to Simon Peter, and Peter, Peter said unto him, Lord, dost thou wash my feet? That's a question. Jesus answered and said unto him, What do I do? Thou knowest not now, but thou shalt know thereafter. He said, you're not going to understand this right now, Peter, but afterwards. Peter said unto him, Thou shalt never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I wash thee not, thou hast no part with me. Simon Peter said unto him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. And Jesus said unto him, He that is washed needeth not save to wash his feet, but is clean every whit. And ye, shall clean, and, and ye are clean, but not all. For ye, he knew who should be betray him, therefore he said, Ye are not all clean. So after he had washed their feet and had taken his garment and was set down again, he said to them, Know ye what I have done to you. You call me Master and Lord, 
and you say, Well, for so I am. If I then, if, if I then, your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. Now, what he's doing here is he's, he's setting up, he's setting up the time, trying to get them to realize that this is going to be a ministry of serving. All right? He was giving himself. He was about to give himself as the Passover lamb. Once and for all, he was about to do that. But now remember something, what God said. God said, at Passover, you will give me your firstborn. All right? Because those Passover lambs had to be of the first year. They had to be perfect without blemish. Now, when Jesus was crucified, he was, without a doubt, God's only son. And he gave of himself, and he became that that one that was to be that one that was to be sacrificed. In other words, he sacrificed himself. Now, he says, 15, For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Verily, verily, I say unto you, The servant is not greater than the Lord, neither he that is sent greater than he that sent him. If ye know these things, happy are ye if ye do them. I speak not of all of y'all. I know whom I have chosen, but that the Scripture may be fulfilled, he that eateth bread with me hath lifted up his heel against me. And he's talking about Judas. Now I tell you before it come, that when it is come to pass, ye may believe that I am he. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that receiveth whomsoever I send receiveth me, and he that receiveth me, or me receiveth him that sent me. When Jesus had thus said, he was troubled in spirit and testified and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, that one of you shall betray me. Then his disciples looked one on another, doubting of whom he spake. Now there was leaning on Jesus' bosom one of his disciples whom Jesus loved. Simon Peter therefore beckoned to him that he should ask who it should be of whom he spake. He's then lying on Jesus' breast, said unto him, Lord, who is it? Jesus answered, It is it is to whom I have given a sop when I have dipped it. And when he had dipped the sop, he gave it to Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon. And after the sop, Satan entered into him. Now notice, that's really something in it. Then said Jesus unto him, That thou doest. What is Satan in it? Whoa. Now no man at the table knew for what intent he speak this unto him. For some of them thought because Judas had the bag that Jesus had said unto him, Buy those things which you have need of against the feast, or that he had, should give something to the poor. He then, having received the soft, went immediately out, and it was night. So there again, he broke, he broke, the, he broke the, the entirety of what the Holy uh, Passover and the Seder was all about, that, that there would never been a Jew or a Torah-keeping Jew that would have ever got out and walked away. And what they had thought, they were trying to make excuses, thinking, well, maybe Jesus sent him out. Again, if Jesus had sent him out, then I guess that would have been one thing. And I guess in another way, Jesus did send him out. The saying, you know, you know, we go out, what you got to do, do it quickly and get it done. Mark 15, Mark 15, 42. Now, when the evening was come, because it was the preparation, that is, the day before the Sabbath, now, on Preparation Day, Jesus was crucified, 
and he was placed in the tomb in preparation. Okay? So it says, And now when the evening was come, because it was preparation, that is the day before the Sabbath, Joseph of Arimathea, an honorable counselor, which also waited for the kingdom of God, came and went in boldly into Pilate and craved the body of Jesus. And Pilate marveled if he were were already dead, and calling unto him the centurion, he asked him whether he had been taken, had been uh, uh, any while dead. He had been, whether he had been any while dead. I'll get it in a minute. And when he knew it of the centurion, he gave the body to Joseph. And he brought the fine linen and took him down and wrapped him in the linen and laid him in a sepulcher, which he hewed out of rock and rolled a stone under the door of the sepulcher. And Mary Magdalene, mother of Mary of, 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 of Joas, Josiah, Joas, beheld where he was laid. Now, you know, God had to purpose Joseph's heart to have gone and done that. Evidently, there was nobody brave enough to go in before Pilate. And that's really, I think, what was going on here. There was nobody brave enough. But Joseph had already purposed his heart, and he went in before him, and he made the statement. Now, the neat thing about understanding what was going on here, that this was a preparation day. He was placed in the tomb. Today it was preparation day for Shabbat, right? Today's the day that we prepare. If you're at home and you're a homemaker, you were cleaning the house, and you were getting things ready for Shabbat. We met here tonight, and we're, the bread is here that we're going to we're going to partake in, in the Kaddish, and we're going to take in the Chala here in a while as we celebrate the beginning of Shabbat. And and so there was to be no work done. So they they got him in the tomb during preparation, not during Shabbat, but during prepara preparation. Now in Exodus 12, and I want you to turn back here with me, so we can review here just a little bit. In Exodus 12:15, it says, Seven days shall ye eat unleavened bread. Even the first day ye shall put away leaven out of your houses. For whosoever eateth leavened bread from the first day until the seventh day, that soul shall be cut off from Israel. And in the first day there shall be a holy convocation, and in the seventh day there shall be a holy convocation to you. No manner of work shall be done in them, save that, that which every man must eat that only way be done of you. And ye shall observe the feast of unleavened bread, for in this self same day have I bought, brought your enemies out of the land of Egypt. Therefore ye shall ye observe this day in your generations by an ordinance forever. In the first month, on the fourteenth day of the month, at the evening, ye shall eat unleavened bread until the one and twentieth day of the, of the month at evening. So everything that everything that he was doing, let me read the 19th verse. Seven days shall there be no leaven found in your houses, for whosoever eateth that which is leavened, even that soul shall be cut off from the congregation of Israel, whether he be a stranger or born in the land. Now turn to Deuteronomy 16. Deuteronomy 16. Second verse. Start in the first verse. Observe the month of Abing. And keep the Passover unto the Lord thy God, for in the month of Abi the Lord thy God brought thee forth out of Egypt by night. Thou shalt therefore sacrifice the Passover unto the Lord thy God by the flock of the herd in this in the place which the Lord shall choose to place his name there. 
Thou shalt eat no leavened bread with it. Seven days shalt thou eat unleavened bread therewith, even the bread of affliction. But thou camest out uh, forth out of the land of Egypt in haste, that thou rememberst, uh, mayest remember the day when thou camest forth out of the land of Egypt all the days of thy life, and there shall be no leavened bread seen with thee in all thy post seven days. Neither shall there anything of thy flesh which thou sacrificed the first day at even remain all night until the morning. Thou mayest not sacrifice the Passover within any of thy gates which the Lord thy God giveth thee, but at the place which the Lord thy God shall choose to place his name in, there thou shalt sacrifice the Passover at even. At the going down of the sun, at the season that thou camest forth out of Egypt, and thou shalt roast and eat it in the place which the Lord thy God shall choose, thou shalt turn in the morning and go into the tent. Six days thou shalt eat unleavened bread, and on the seventh day shall be a solemn assembly, and the Lord thy God thou shalt do no work therein. Now, I want you to get a hold of the fact that it had, number one, uh, Jesus, and having to be crucified, it had to be done there in Jerusalem. It had to be there for the scriptures to have been fulfilled. And, of course, it was done there. It had to be. It had to be done at, during at that even. When was he? When was he crucified? It was 3 p.m. Remember, and we won't go back through that to read that. But but everything got dark. In fact, it got so dark they thought it was night. Didn't it? Then there was a great earthquake. Wasn't it? And then about that time, when the dead people started getting up out of the graves and come staggered in town, somebody got smart enough and figured they must have touched something off the holy of God. The day after Preparation Day was a special Sabbath. We're going to look in John 19. The day after Preparation Day, John 19:31. John 19:31. The Jews, therefore, because it was the preparation that the body should not remain upon the cross on the Sabbath day, for that Sabbath day was a high day, he sought Pilate that their legs might be broken and that that, that might be taken away. So you see that, of course, they didn't break. There wasn't any bones that Jesus broke when we read on down through there. But what I want you to get a hold of was that this was a special high Sabbath. And the special high Sabbath will happen, if you will, upon the same, same exact day, the same exact time in which it took place almost 2,000 years ago when Jesus participated in it and became, and he became the sacrificial lamb that he did everything. But but again, the neat thing about all of this is that God set this thing up almost 2,000 years ago. And he began to progress this thing and to bring it forward, to bring it forward. And if you'll notice, every time that Israel quit keeping Passover, Israel got themselves in a real pickle with God. Why? Because you see, God wanted them to have Passover so indelibly inscribed in their hearts and in their minds that they would be keeping it. And then, brothers and sisters, when the enlightening of God's Spirit unto the Jew, unto Judah, that would begin to come about, that has begun to come about, then they'll be able to go back and they'll be able to look this all over and all of a sudden all these scriptures are going to do what they do for all of us. All of a sudden they're going to come alive and people's going to say, oh, I see the, Jew, the, Jew, the, the Judean Jews are going to say, here it is all the time. This man, this man, became that look he was he was even crucified he was taken down at, at, at preparation time and how all this was happening and none of it was by chance that's what's neat about it 
day after day, a day after the day after preparation day, Yeshua's tomb was sealed. It was the day after preparation day. It was sealed. Uh, Matthew 27. Now you got to remember something. Now this been sealed, not the Jews, even though they wanted it sealed. All right. 2762. Now the next day, the following, following the day of preparation, the chief priests and Pharisees came unto, unto Pilate, saying, Sir, we remember that this deceiver said, While he was yet alive, after three days I will rise again. Command, therefore, that the sepulcher be made sure until the third day, lest his disciples come by night, and steal him away, and say unto the people, He is risen from the dead. So the last error shall be worse than the first. Pilate said unto them, Ye have, ye have a watch, go your way, make it as sure as you can. And he gave them his guards. So that they went and made the sepulchre sure, sealing the stone and setting a watch. So that was done on the day afterwards. Now, in, in, now, in Leviticus, I want you to turn to Leviticus, Leviticus 23, Leviticus 23, and in the sixth verse. On the fifteenth day of the same month in the Feast of Unleavened Bread and the Lord, for seven days you must eat unleavened bread. And the first day you shall have a holy convocation. You shall do no several work therein. But you shall offer an offering made by fire unto the Lord seven, seven days. And the seventh day is a holy convocation. You shall do no several work therein. Now, again, they're setting the precedent that there is to be no work done. Now, again, that would have been considered work that was done. But again, it wasn't done... It wasn't done for those that would have been upholding Jesus and who he is. It was being done by the outsider, and the Pharisees came and, and set the Roman soldiers in order to have uh, called them uh, as to be able to watch over. Because, I mean, that's the last thing they needed was for Peter and the boys to run out there, steal that body out of that tomb, and dear God in heaven, them what was going to have happen. And, of course, it happened to them anyway. Okay, the only problem was Peter and the boys didn't do the stealing. Okay. But see, I'm sure they. I'm sure if you were there at that time, that was the story that was told. I mean, I'm sure there was a great, uh, you know, well, come on, you know, who do you know has been risen from the dead? Okay, that's an impossibility for that to happen. How, 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 how do we know that? Well, you know, that goes on, on, on. The fact of it is, it, it did take place. It happened just exactly, just exactly the way that uh, the Lord said it was going to happen. And uh, if you read closely in that uh, 16th chapter, which I, I really get a kick out of it, in Mark you find out that none unbelieved even when it did happen. And uh, that was uh, sort of in its, uh, its uh, own way, the way God does things. Get in Exodus 12.12 12 for just a second. Exodus 12.12. 12. For, for I will pass through the land of Egypt this night, and I will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. Now, this is important to get a hold of, and I'm, I'm going to expound on this probably not tonight, probably on Sunday night further. But the fact is, and what you're going to find out as we go further into this thing, that the worst thing that can ever happen to any nation is to decide they're going to whoop up on Israel during Passover. The worst thing can happen to anybody. Okay? Absolutely. I mean, it doesn't get any worse than this. Okay? Because you see, what God was doing here, 
he was bringing forth, and, and, and what's neat, he says, against all the gods of Egypt. Now, he was executing judgment against their gods. It was a supernatural thing that was going on. Even though in the natural you could see the ten plagues, and, and during the Seder you'll see us. Uh, but we'll, we'll spill a drop. There'll be a drop of, of that, in, in essence, a drop of blood for every one of those ten plagues during that Seder. And we'll go through the ten plagues and, and, and speak of them. Because, again, what this Seder is about, the, the, the Pesach Seder, is to be sure that we pass on. And what's really neat, we're getting it passed on to us even now, but to be able to pass that on to our children. In turn, they can pass it on to their children, as long as the Lord our God can carry. And uh, we'll see what uh, is going to uh, is going to happen uh, from there. Now, in Exodus, uh, uh, the sixth chapter, and you can turn there if you want and follow along. Now, this isn't going to read quite the same because I wrote this down uh, from something that I had found. But in Exodus six, six and seven, is what I'm going to be using here. Now there are. There are four cups that we will be partaking in during the Seder. Now, it was believed that Jesus participated in three cups, but he didn't the fourth. This greatly disturbed uh, some of the people that uh, knew all the customs. And then it began to be found out that then he took what would have been the fourth cup upon the cross, which was the the, what we call the vinegar, and uh, that they handed him to the supper. Therefore, say to the Israelite, uh, the cup of blessing or sanctification is the first cup. And that's taken from that, that verse. I don't know how that reads. It says, Wherefore, say unto the children of the children of Israel, therefore, say unto the Israelites, the first cup is the cup of blessing. For sanctification, how that needs to be. The next is the cup of deliverance, is the second cup, and it comes into the part that says, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. The cup of deliverance will be the second cup of the take. The third cup is the cup of redemption. I will free you from being slaves to them. And the fourth cup is the cup of completion or glorification. And you can see probably without any problem at all how that all ties to Jesus. And I will redeem you with an outreached arm and with a mighty uh, with mighty acts of judgment. He goes on to say, I will take you as my own people, and I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. And that is the four cups which we will we will partake. Now, I think that uh, I can get this in. Now, these things on Passover, and, and I thought this was really something the way all this works. In fact, there's some conclusions I, I assure you we could draw from this. Your mighty power... You demonstrated on Passover. Above all festivals, you, you exalted Passover. This is God. To Abraham, you revealed Israel's destiny on Passover. And somebody said, well, how do you know it was Passover? I'm going to tell you something. Just like we know when 
George Washington's birthday is. These people pass this stuff from generation to generation. Hey, thank you so much, Prophet Deckard. Again, you can get a hold of us at the website, www.jewishprophet.com, and you can find out, again, all this material that you're hearing taught every day, every week. Folks, you want to get out there and start taking a look at that and start ordering that material because you need to get a hold of that and start to apply that into your life so that it will change your life. You know what? You can also email your prayer request to cradle at jewishprophet.com. We'll be praying for your prayer requests. Shalom until tomorrow. And remember, with God, all things are possible. Shemu Nikra 